The following message by Apostle Dr. Dana Carson is made possible by DCKM Partners, assisting people to know God, making Him known to others, and spreading the kingdom message around the world. Check out our website, drdanacarson.org, where you can hear much more from The Kingdom Voice. Coming up next on The Kingdom Voice. And Abram believed God. (laughs) He believed God and he counted it to him as righteousness. So I'm saying Jesus says, except your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisee. The Pharisee's righteousness did not cause them to believe in the Messiah. Your righteousness has to cause you to trust God when you cannot trace him, to believe in God because he's not a man that he should lie. If he spoke it, he'll bring it to pass. In this gospel of the kingdom shall be spread Welcome to the Kingdom Voice broadcast with Dr. Dana Carson. Today's message is coming from the powerful series, Kingdom Power. In today's message, Dr. Carson talks about what is the kingdom, part three, coming from Matthew chapter six, verses nine through 13. You cannot see the kingdom. You can't perceive it. Unless you are ganao, regenerated, recreated from above. Now, then Nicodemus says, I'm an old man. How am I going to be born again? Am, Am I to go up again inside my mother's womb, step up in there and come back down? Now, listen, I want you to understand Nicodemus is trying hard. He's not being sarcastic. Nicodemus says, I want the kingdom. I want the kingdom. And whatever you tell me I got to do, then I understand that's what I got to do. But I don't understand. Nicodemus can't perceive the kingdom. Now, Jesus says this. He says, amen, amen. Truly, truly, show enough, show enough. I ain't lying, Nicodemus. This is the real deal. Okay, now, he says this. He says, that which is flesh is flesh. And that which is spirit is spirit. Please don't marvel. Don't be surprised. Don't be alarmed. That I say unto you, you must be born again. Now listen, he says, that which is flesh is flesh. That which is spirit is spirit. He says, you must be born of the flesh and of the water. I mean, of the water and of the spirit. Now, what's that about? 
do we get, some people said that's baptism. How do we get baptism over in there? Now, contextually, what this means is that which is born of flesh, that's speaking of your natural birth. We were born fleshly. So that's talking about your natural birth. We're born in sin. We're shaped in iniquity. We're born with a fallen nature. That means we have a nature like our great, 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 great granddaddy Adam, who was our, both our federal and seminal head. We have his genetics that came through the bloodline. And so therefore, we were born by the flesh. So that's talking about your DNA. That's your flesh. That's the water birth. Water birth. Semiotic follicle. Before you're born again, the last thing that has to happen is the water bag has to break. And once the water bag, the water bag breaks, then the child comes. So he said you have to be born of the water. That's the flesh and of the spirit. So <clears throat> just like you have an amniotic follicle, that, that water bag, that that a woman that has the birth before the child comes forth, there has to be a regeneration in the spirit before you can come forth in the spirit. That which is flesh is flesh. That means that which is temperament, that which is your DNA, that's flesh. That comes from your mama and your daddy genes. That doesn't come from God. Paul, Paul says that in the final analysis, the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. So then, he, so he says, you must be born of the water and the spirit. So the spirit means you have to be born again. Now, man is triune. Can I teach? Okay. Man is tripartite. We are a spirit, when you're saved, you are a spirit that possesses a soul that lives in a body. Yes, now, when you are saved, your spirit man uh, has domination and authority over your soul man. And then your soul man uh, connects with your physical man and tells it, or disciplines its cravings. So, when you are born again, your spirit man, which is the candlestick of the Lord, that's how you talk to God, through your spirit. You do not talk to him through your soul. Now, your soul is comprised of three. Can I teach this morning? Your soul is comprised of three areas. Your mind your will, and your emotions. So your mind is your ability to think. Your emotions are your abilities to feel. Your, your, uh, where am I? Mind? Will. Your will is your ability to act. So therefore, when there is no active spirit in your life, then your fallen nature dictates to your soul how to behave. But when you're born again, your spirit is renewed. It comes to life. 
And so now there is a new sheriff in town. Now there is a new potentate in town. Now there is a new influencer in town. If you go to church and you're not born again, you're still dictated to and influenced by the same unregenerated person that joined the church. But when you're born again, now you get a different impulse. Ooh, help me, Holy Ghost. We're talking about the kingdom here now. You get a different impulse. And the impulse you get now is to do what God wants you to do. Now, the problem is, is that when you are regenerated, uh, your, your fallen nature is not obliterated. It's not annihilated, which means it's still there. So that means my fallen nature and desires are still present. They're still there. They don't go anywhere. That means if I wanted to do that, I still can want to do that. If I had to, uh, uh, a desire to do that, I still can do that. Now here's what happens a lot of times. When you first give your life to Christ, you're so excited and <clears throat> about the newness of the relationship, you treat your soul like you treat a new car. In the beginning, you don't let nobody drink in it. No french fries, no milkshake, no soda, no eating, no nothing. But over time, don't spill it. Make sure you clean up after it. Then you look and say, get that up. Then about over time, stuff get left in the car overnight. You don't even recognize it. So that same kind of effect happens to you spiritually. And so therefore, your old man reemerges. And so now what you have to do is you've got to contend with him. You've got to fight with him. So when you get born again, you are launched into spiritual warfare. The flesh lusts after the spirit and the spirit after the flesh. So Paul said he thought that when he came into the enlightenment of the word of God and Torah that it was in Hebrew thought that once you knew the commandments you could, you could possess the soul. But Paul says when I met Jesus he said I found out Things that I wanted to try to do right, I couldn't get them right. And things that I hated, I found myself doing. He said, oh, wretched man. He said, whenever I desire to do good, evil is always present. See, the person that really has a kingdom mindset understands that when you're in the kingdom, you've got to contend against the flesh. The flesh doesn't go anywhere. It just behaves in the beginning because you won't give it any attention. It's like, your, it's like that firstborn child when that secondborn child comes. The flesh say, oh, you ain't going to pay me no attention yet. You'll be back. I'm going to make sure you get back over here. Now, let me hurry here. So... So he says to Nicodemus, that which is flesh is flesh. That's a total different thing. That which is spirit is spirit. They're not connected. 
I gave you a new spirit, but I did nothing to your soul. You got to possess that. You got to work out your own. Y'all don't want to talk to me. You got to work out your own soul salvation with fear and trembling. I gave you the power to possess your soul. So here, so here, then Nicodemus said, you know, how can this be? And Jesus said, marvel not Nicodemus. He said, except you be born again or born from above, you cannot es You cannot enter into. First he is. You can't perceive it. You can't see it. Now he says, you can't enter into it. Now, here, then Jesus comes back and says this. Are you not a teacher of Israel? And you don't know these things? Jesus is astonished by his ignorance. I wonder what Jesus would feel about a conversation with you and I. Would he be astonished? So now watch this. Jesus teaches. Let me, let me. Hurry, I got to almost be finished and I ain't even got started. But look here, my wife clapped, that means you're all right. Listen, so, so, Jesus, he doesn't just teach this concept here. In Matthew 18 and 3, uh, he says to the disciples, except you, They want to know about being great in the kingdom. And he says, except you be converted and become like a little child, you will in no wise enter the kingdom. Now, listen to this. You know, some of us would have been like, you know, ain't this a flip? We didn't left our families. We didn't left our professions. And we've been following you. And we just want to know, in the big dance, will we get a a seat of prominence? Since we followed you and all the other folk rejecting you and talking about you. And and you're going to tell us, except we become like little children. What do you think we like right now following you around as grown men? He says to them, they ask him, how do we be great in the kingdom? He says, except you be converted, become like a little child, have the faith, the forgiveness, all, that, all the things that the faithfulness of a little child, the fun, of a, except the kingdom is joy in the Holy Ghost. Listen, and listen, 
He says, except you be converted. Shuv, the Hebrew term, shuv, is, is, is partner parallel to this Greek term. And what means to accept you, turn from you, and turn to God. See, repentance ain't just about turning away. <clears throat> because if you turn away, God could be over here. The sin could be here. And you turn here. But see, so we say it means to turn away. No, it means to turn to God. You know, to turn away from this and to turn to God. So now, he says, unless you do that. Now, listen to, this is how powerful the principle is, people. The disciples who were studying with him, he was their rabbi. He said, even though you studied with me, I can't give you a buy into the kingdom. You've got to go through the process that everybody else has to go through. Now, Jesus says about the kingdom, he says that in Matthew 5 and 20, he says, accept your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees. You ain't going to enter in. You ain't ex -ercomai. You're not going in. Now, you couldn't get more moral than the Pharisees. And Jesus says, accept your righteousness. Oh, God, help me here. Except your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees. Listen, they were not adulterers. They were not lying. They didn't do nothing. They were real straight-laced men. But Jesus says, except your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees, you cannot enter into the kingdom. What are you saying? If it's not about moral perfection... And moral discipline, because these guys were that. What are you talking about? Well, what is righteousness and how do you obtain it? They have a level of moral righteousness, but God says you got to get a level of righteousness that's above moral righteousness. So... How do we get righteousness? We got to have it because the kingdom of God is right. Y'all don't want to talk to me. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So how do I become righteous? The Bible says, he that knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness in, Christ, in God created in Christ Jesus. So now... But how do I get a righteousness that exceeds? What does my righteousness come from that exceeds the Pharisees? The Pharisees is trying to earn it. You got to get it. Well, what is the origin of righteousness? So, we got to go now and talk about Abraham. So, we move from Matthew 5 and 20 to Genesis 14. And Abraham has a conversation with a king, Melchizedek. 
Melchizedek, combination of two Hebrew terms, Melech, which means king, and Sadiq, which means righteousness. So Melchizedek, the king of righteousness, which means righteousness is the property of God. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You cannot obtain it. There is not. So you got to exceed what they call righteous. God's got to give it to you. Thus, we see then in Genesis 15 and 6, the Bible says Abraham is in a frustrated place. His, His hope is beginning to waver. And the Bible says God tells him after he has a lot of complaints about what will you give me? I've not seen enough manifestations in my life. I left like you told me to in Genesis 14. I fought for my cousin Lot against experienced kings and you gave me the victory and I gave you the tithe. But now here it is in my life you still have not given me an offspring and you told me in me all the nations of the world would be blessed. Now here I am. I'm disappointed. I'm discombobulated. I'm confused. I don't know exactly what to do. And what does God do? God doesn't address his questions nor circumstances nor situation. God says, I'm not going to talk to you about that. Step outside. See, this is what the king does. He tells you every time, step outside. God, see, some of you are still waiting on answers of why you ain't got that and why that hasn't happened and why didn't that happen yet and why did that happen. God said, I'm not about to talk to you about that because a walk with me is more than whatever happens to you. And as long as you stay with me, it doesn't matter about what happens to you. I got you. I got you. Thus, God says to him, step outside. You want to talk to me? Come outside of your frustration. Come outside of your failure. Come outside of your your disappointment, your disenchantment. Come outside. I can't talk to you as long as you're going to live in the sphere of disappointment and and broken hearts because stuff didn't go the way you thought it should go. Thus, Abraham says, step outside. Abraham steps outside. And see, the stepping of outside meant he forgot about all the problems inside. And so when God said, look up and count the stars, there wasn't nothing hindering him anymore. See, he didn't allow the past failures or disappointment to hinder his ability to believe God again. And the Bible says he looked up to the stars and God told him to count and he couldn't count. And God says, I'm going to give you that many offsprings. And I want you to remember, it was that conversation that he was frustrated about. God told him last time, look down at the sand. I'm going to give you that many, son. And now he's frustrated. He ain't got no son. And what does God do? God just renews the vision. (laughs) That's all God. God just renews the vision. God says, I ain't got to say nothing about what's happening. I just want you to renew the vision.
here. So, he says this. Count. Which that was God's way of saying, what you talking about ain't about nothing. What you talking about was simply a part of the process. What you talking about was the thing that I allowed to be to get you where you are so I can get you what you need. See, you got to understand, if you cry too long over your situation, you will not have the ability to rejoice over the revelation or the manifestation. Now, the Bible says, and Abram believed God. (laughs) He believed God and he counted it to him as righteousness. So I'm saying, Jesus says, except your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisee. The Pharisee's righteousness did not cause them to believe in the Messiah. Your righteousness has to cause you to trust God when you cannot trace him. To believe in God because he's not a man that he should lie if he spoke out. He'll bring it to pass. Thank you for listening to the kingdom teaching of Dr. Dana Carson. If you would like to hear this message in its entirety, visit drdanacarson.org slash TV. For more kingdom teachings and transformational messages, subscribe to our YouTube page at Dr. Dana Carson. The Kingdom Theological Seminary offers a quality yet affordable theological education for those seeking to increase their kingdom biblical knowledge. The Kingdom Theological Seminary is the only seminary of its kind that provides biblical training with a kingdom of God emphasis based on the original context of Jesus, void of the effects of the Romanization, Europeanization, colonization, westernization, and Americanization of the gospel. The Kingdom Theological Seminary is what we consider a disruptive seminary that takes a holistic approach to theological training. KTS is designed to prepare students for actual hands-on instruction that is customized to each learner's need. Oftentimes, when students complete the traditional model of seminary, they are unable to use 85% of the things that they learned in actual ministry. The Kingdom Theological Seminary is designed to prepare the learner for 21st century ministry that is based on your interests and ministry areas of focus. KTS allows you to customize your education to fit your individual ministry needs. You can choose the certification modules or individual classes that can be applied toward your degree. The Kingdom Theological Seminary is truly disruptive. We don't force a set of unusable courses on you and waste your time and money. Instead, each student is able to put together their own cluster of certifications that best fit their ministry needs. The Kingdom Theological Seminary is the seminary of the future and will rapidly secure a space in this 21st century ministry culture. It is designed to meet the needs of a plethora of new non-denominational church fellowships that desire their clergy to be trained in the most effective, efficient, and relevant manner possible, utilizing modern technology and cutting-edge methodologies. 
For more information about the Kingdom Theological Seminary or to enroll in the KTS waiting list for the fall semester, visit us at ktseminary.com. We are training 21st century Kingdom leaders like you at the Kingdom Theological Seminary. Thank you for watching The Kingdom Voice. We thank you for investing your time and attention into the kingdom teaching of Dr. Dana Carson. For more information about the kingdom voice and additional kingdom resources from Dr. Carson, visit our website at drdanacarson.org.